welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. This episode is coming out about a year before the midterm elections. And given the way voter suppression tactics are going, you might want to start coming up with your voting plan like right now. While you're stressing about that and the inevitable awkward political conversations you're going to have with friends and family in the coming weeks, hopefully this podcast will provide a little intellectual inspiration and emotional escapism for you. Oh, God, I love alliteration. As always, I'm joined by my producers, Sophia Baron-Reinstein and Adam Howard. Okay, podcast gals, we have firebrand Congresswoman Cori Bush on the show today. As you know, Representative Bush is a freshman lawmaker. Do you remember what your freshman experience was like in college? How much have you changed since then? Do you remember your freshman years? Oh, some what of were you like? more recently than others. <laughs> yes, mine was like two cool years ago. But I don't think any of ours were as full or as important as Congresswoman Bush's. I wish I had done as much as she's done. No insurrections. What were you like? <laughs> no insurrections, please. There was an insurrection at your college two days yeah. after you started. Orientation was wild. <laughs> yeah. What were you like? Were you scared? Were you so confident? Were you like Mary Tyler Moore, just like throwing your hat in the air and taking the world on? Uh, well, I went to college in upstate New York. It was very cold, so hats stayed on pretty mm-hmm. much okay. all year. Okay. Um. I feel like the biggest change was like, you know, you don't have class all the time all of a sudden. So it's actually very right. different than high school. And mm-hmm. I feel like I I am just now figuring out how to manage my time well. And it was, that was a big change. I feel like I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I would get to class like 30 minutes early because like I, would, <laughs> I thought it was going to take me so long to get there and like get a seat. And I would just sit in the auditorium for just so much time with <laughs> nothing to do wow that's really that might, that might not be shocking to you <laughs> it's not that shocking it's not that shocking adam what were you like as oh a i was definitely not as mature as fia i also went to college in upstate new york i don't i don't know if we've discussed this but i went to bard i don't know where you went to school but maybe nearby i went to school in rochester which is closer to toronto oh, okay mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was very, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but I was sort of embarrassingly girl crazy. So <laughs> like, I just went nuts. Cause I was like, oh my God, like they're everywhere. And then I just remember <laughs> like somebody, somebody gave me the good advice. Like don't hook up with people in your dorm. Cause that'll just like lead to problems, which of course oh. I promptly did like multiple times. Oh, and so I got God. entangled in all these kinds of like unrequited things and like crushes and just like very immature shit that I should definitely not have I should have left behind in high school and been like Sphia and like getting to class early so I had the complete opposite experience of like I was staying up like super late and like missing classes and like not caring because again girls and yeah I was I actually got put on academic warning because I failed (gasps) the class oh my god (laughs) yeah I haven't thought about this in years I mean I've had PTSD I guess but like, I, it scared me straight. And then I was, like, a really good student the rest of college. But it was, like, I went really hard into the, like, bad <laughs> freshman behavior. Wow. Like, drinking for the first time. Like, all the all the things. Yeah. Drinking for the first time. <laughs> like, regularly. I'd like had a beer regular, before. Okay. But yeah, yeah. In the morning. <laughs> wow. In class. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, this is such an interesting story. <laughs> well, I was a nerd. I lived off campus and I had a pet lizard. The end. 
the lizard. Yep. It just was not a good scene. I came into my own much. I was a late bloomer. <laughs> In some ways, an early bloomer. And then for some reason, I swung back and became such an introvert. And the hmm. first couple of years of college were like, I think if you knew, you wouldn't have liked me. I was like, I never left my house and was like a little old lady with a pet lizard. Just an absolute <laughs> a lizard lady. A lizard lady. So anyway, uh, thank God I'm not that same person. <laughs> Nothing against lizards. You went from lizard lady to cat lady. They don't. No, I've always it's been quite a cat the lady. evolution. I've always been a cat lady. I've always had cats and occasionally a lizard. <laughs> we should stop. Let's stop. I don't want to. I don't want to tell anyone anymore. And in fact, I'm blushing. <laughs> like I can feel myself get hot. I don't even like to think about myself as a freshman and that hard. It was so awful for so long. Oh God. Don't go away because we'll be right back. Joining me today is Representative Cori Bush, a registered nurse pastor and activist who became a breakout star in Democratic Party politics after defeating a 10-term incumbent in a 2020 primary and becoming the first African-American woman to represent the state of Missouri in Congress. Since being sworn in earlier this year, Representative Bush has been a tireless advocate for issues close to her heart, like police reform and the housing crisis. And if she isn't overworked enough... She's agreed to spend close to an hour being patient with me. Welcome to the show, Representative Cori Bush. <gasps> Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you again. It's really good to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Sure. You've been on the show before and you're such a like, oh my God. Just, <laughs> we. I loved talking to you when you were yeah. on the show. Yeah, I'll never forget Never forget it. Boy. And the surprise you had for me was like, Tim Gunn? That's right. We had Tim Gunn. Yeah. He w was just applauding your fashion choices. <laughs> he was cheerleading you. He loves you. Oh, I love you. And so do I. So thank you again. You too. Okay. Yeah. When we okay, when 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 last when you were on the show, you were just starting yes. your freshman year. Yeah. And now you're like a sophomore. How's it going? <laughs> I mean, wow. It has been a year that I could not mm -hmm. have like imagined. Yes. And um, you know, people always ask me, like, you know, is it what you thought? You know, now that you're right. in, is it what you thought? Or, you know, is it worse? Is it better? And I'm and all I can say is you know, three days in, there was an insurrection. So like I had no, like that was where the bar was. So the rest, yes. <laughs> as long as there's not another insurrection that's worse, you know, right. I, you know, it's, it's pretty much what I expected, I guess. So I'm going to say that the insurrection was probably like the low, the low yeah. point so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bad one. Yeah. Yeah. People lost their lives. The yes, they did and we are nowhere near reckoning with that moment. No. Are you mm -hmm. stunned by that that we still haven't like absolutely. I can't believe it. Well, and the fact that I have colleagues who 
claimed that it was, you know, a normal tourist visit. Right. And um, people lost their lives, you know, like it was, I, I was barricaded in my office. Yes. So many of us were barricaded in our offices. People were, um, you know, like fearing for their lives. So it was yeah. not a regular tourist visit. But the thing is that as they're putting out their rhetoric, people around the country are believing it. I know. I know. And what is it like? I mean, it's it must be very difficult to really stand side by side with people, to be work, to have colleagues who are spreading misinformation and mischaracterizing this event where you were literally barricaded in your office. Yes. How do you how do you just like personally contend with that? It's very difficult, Samantha, and it's very difficult because we are talking about people who are in power. Yes. People who are in power. These are not, these are not uh, just people speaking out loudly on social media that have a following. People who are in power that, right. that can represent anyone, you know, any a person, you know, any faith, any ethnic background, mm-hmm. any race, any, you know, any uh just anyone. And they have hate. Right. They have hatred in their hearts and they have the same power of the pen and the purse that I have. And the same, they get to vote the same way that I get to vote. They get to put forward legislation the same way that I do. And I can't stand it. I am, I am so outraged about it. And that's Mm -hmm. why we had to put forward it. Um, Sitting in during the insurrection, sitting in the office and we push for, uh, we put together legislation to to investigate and expel these folks because mm-hmm. it was happening right outside the door. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. You call yourself a politivist. Yes. Okay. And say that it is impossible to separate the two words. Yes. Why do we need more politivists in Congress? And I think you may have already answered the question. <laughs> yeah. You know, so the 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 activist side of me is the the side that says push. Right. Like stand on what you believe, you know, stand on your morals, stand on, you know, uh your uh like human rights and just a love of humanity, you know, like right. stand on that and push, apply pressure, uh, and don't waver. Right. The politician side of me is the one that has the pen and the power, the, the power, the pen and the power of the purse. So marrying the two saying, you know, I'm going to remember what it's like to be on the ground. I'm going to remember the everyday folks in our community that have felt voiceless. And I'm going to use that to help me to use this pen right. and and how to affect the purse. Uh, so we need both because it's an inside outside strategy. Right. Like I didn't, I, I'm still that activist and it showed when I took to the steps along with my team and several other Congress members to help when we heard, when we, when we knew that it was, this was it, that 11 million people were now going to be at risk for eviction because the um, eviction moratorium was expiring in, you know, in the next several hours, uh, I did what I knew to do, which is put my body on the line. Right. And that helped people. I have to tell you, that was such a, that that was just a beautiful moment. And we all watched you do that. And we were like, God, 
bad we all have great much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god, out there doing the Lord's work. Do you yeah. does that like is that your centering principle every day when you go to work and you're like, oh, there's so many big yes. issues and it feels impossible. Is that how you like find yourself? Yes. Well, actually it feels like the inside of me is always weeping. Okay. That's what it feels like. It feels like this constant weeping. And um, so I wake up every day, like, how can I stop these tears? Right. Because these are someone's tears. You know, how can I stop them? What can I do? Right. You know, so that pushes that, like King said, Dr. King said, that fierce, ur- fierce urgency of now, it pushes that. Right. So it's like, that's where that fat, that, that, that stick and stay. Um, I will say comes from. It's like, even though I may not want to push this today, or I may be tired, or I may, you know, not want to be the one that seems like I'm always uh, going against, right. you know, what my caucus wants to do, but somebody is crying. Right. Somebody can lose their life today. And the work that I do today, if I push a little harder, if I push past my own trauma, if I can deal with people calling my name and saying negative things, if I could deal with the death threats, if I could deal with all of that, I could save somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, um, that's amazing. So do you, you know, you've said like in talking about, you know, speaking about that, you know, in talking about the infrastructure bill and federal yes. assistance, you have so poignantly said that some of your colleagues are are fighting against assistance they don't even need. Yes. And you have asked them, what don't your people deserve? Right. So like, why are so many people obsessed with doing less for their constituents? You know, yeah, I, that it baffles me. It baffles me that you can sign up you know, that's like when I was a nurse and um, working in the hospital, right. I didn't have the, you know, I, I sought out that position and I worked for the position to get it. And then so once I was in the position, I couldn't choose which one of my patients I chose to help that day. Right. I had to, I, any patient that was within my grasp, any patient that was within that hospital, even if they weren't mine, it was my job to make sure that I provided quality care for every single one. And when I received my assignment of who my patients were, I didn't get to choose. Am I going to give you quality care? Am I going to do half do some of the things for you and some for another. I'm going to give this procedure, do this help with this procedure for you and not for you. Right. Well, Congress, with us, it's the same thing. We don't get to choose. And, it, and, and I don't understand how you can look at someone's pain, how you can walk someone, because actually you're walking folks into their pain and you're saying, this is good enough for me. Right. to make sure that you continue your pain, that you you continue to struggle to survive, that you may be walking to your death. Because we understand, even when we, when we look at, you know, what happened with the eviction moratorium, when we know that without an eviction moratorium, 40% of the, of people who um, die, you know, could have, that did die actually from COVID, that could have been presented a prevented with a moratorium. When we know that, you know that these decisions that you're making um, could actually cause loss of life or just really cause the people in your community and around the country to hurt. And you say, it's good enough for me. Right. You shouldn't be in the seat. Right. Give it, let the seat be, it, let the seat go to someone who cares about all the people, even those who have the least. And I also, I also 
think about, you know, when your constituents like because there are many, many members of Congress who represent constituents who actually don't want things that are good for them, (laughs) who actually want (laughs) the wrong things. And I always feel like it's like your job as a representative to be like, I know you don't think you want this, but you have to trust me. Yes. Yes. Not feed into that misinformation or feed into those bad ideas. Like that's the job of governing anyways. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? We have this amazing tool at our disposal, town halls. Right. (laughs) We have town halls. We have social media. We have the media. We have, you know, to be able to have folks like you that care, that can help us get the message across to our community members, to our constituents to say, hey, this is really what it is. And let me explain to you why this is good for you. You know, as your representative, let me break it down to you. Let my team talk to you. Let the experts talk to you about why this is good for you. And let us talk about why this other thing is harmful to you. Right, right, right. Do you, like, speaking of things that are good for you, are you talking to people about the midterms? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no, I mean, oh my goodness. Because yeah. I say the word midterms now and I just feel everyone fade. I feel like their souls leave their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like we have the opportunity right now to uh you know to like solidify right a good standing for the midterms in making sure we have the bill back better act um along with the bipartisan infrastructure package uh together at the same time because human infrastructure matters you know making sure we're putting money into uh whether it's um a community violence interruption because there is a there is you know there has been this you know, we 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 still deal, deal with crime in our communities, making sure that we lower prescription drug costs. You know, why are we fighting to help people to be able to afford the medicine that they need to survive? Um, making, you know, housing, making sure that housing is adequate, right. you know, and safe for people, for humans, you know, and their pets to live in. Right. You know, we're, we're negotiating this. Why we want to take away um, the safety of our kids, our kids going to school, our kids going to childcare, going to a childcare center. We want to make sure that that's a safe place for them. We want to make sure mom and grandma, grandpa can stay in their home and have the home care that they need and have that quality care. Right. You know, so all of those things are important. Have you ever met or spoken to Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema? Absolutely not. I have not met either one. No, no. If you had a chance to meet them, <laughs> Like if you were in an elevator, would you talk to them? Would you, do you have a choice words for them? Would you talk to them? Yeah. Can I someone talk, talk to, to them? them? Please talk to them. I, I oh, would so talk chill. to them and I would tell them you're staring into the face of someone. Even if I, even if before I even get to my district, right. you're staring into the face of someone that the things that you want to do, the things you want to cut out could have killed. Right. Right. Like point blank, period. Right. Like that it 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 leads to uh, a very lethal and toxic environment yeah. for for people to live in. And I'm one of those people. How frustrating is it for you and other members of the house to watch so much historic legislation like go nowhere in the Senate? Like, I mean, can you how how do you 
how do you handle that? Like how I can't, it astonishes me on a pretty much a daily basis. Yeah. And um, Democrats are in charge. Yeah. We're in charge. We're in charge. And we have folks in our U.S. Senate. That's why, you know, elections are so important. You know, this is why elections are so important because we have pushed for this, for so much legislation from the PRO Act to making sure that we are strengthening our unions and um, the Equality Act to um, giving safeguards for our LGBTQIA community members and um, George Floyd justice and policing. We need police reform in this country so bad, criminal legal reform. You know, uh, so much legislation that is out there just sitting and, and the Senate gets to decide they get to say you know what no we don't we we're okay with not having this and not everybody it can just just a couple you know or just a few that have pushed back on some of this legislation that are okay with the filibuster um uh causing you know all of this legislation or allowing for this legislation to be stalled it's infuriating because we have the house we have the senate we have the the presidency and it feels it to the public it looks like that means nothing. It looks like, why did I show up? Why did I push past, right. you know, how I re- how comfortable I felt in my own home or however I voted? Why did I push past what, what my feelings were and made sure that I turned out to vote, made sure that I brought in my family right. members and community members to help make sure that we delivered for Democrats if it's just like having a Republican in the right. state. Right. It it really, it cons- it that kind of like, that feeling really concerns me that it just creates malaise. You know what I mean? It yeah. just creates like people really questioning the process. And I do worry about that going into the midterms. Like I want to be positive about it. I do. I definitely I, do. <laughs> definitely going to put the good messages out there and like keep working. But it is really challenging. It is really challenging. Yeah. You know, you just wake up this morning and you're like, wait, four weeks of Four weeks of paid leave? Like, what? Four weeks. Four weeks of paid leave. How? How? Why why are we not worth, why are people not worth the 12 weeks? So many people even need beyond 12 weeks. So 12 weeks is already oftentimes the compromise. But four? Four. My body, I don't even think I could hold a pee. Like for four weeks, I was still probably peeing myself after I had my cats. Like, yeah, you can't go back to work in no. that condition. No, you cannot go back to work. Oh God! And everybody's everybody is different. We can't. Yes. You can't say, oh well, because you know. But I heard, I heard a colleague say, "Well, my wife did it." And so that means anybody else can. That person said my wife did it. I I could have fallen on the floor. My <laughs> wife did it. And so then and, and I was able to to go back to work, too. And so I don't understand, you know, why, why this is needed. This is necessary. <laughs> there is I have only seen one woman in all of my existence have and she had a wonderful birth and she was perfectly fine. I mean, like, yeah, oh boy, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. that's a great worldview. I know. And, and you know what? And I'm someone I went back actually with one of my children. I went back to work after four weeks just because I needed the money and I didn't have yeah. a choice. Mm-hmm. But there was also a time when I um, had a situation where I was in a car accident. And after four weeks, I wasn't OK to go back to work after 12 weeks. Right. You know, I needed longer than that. So even with the same person, like we cannot 
say that four weeks is enough time for anyone when we could actually do better and give 12. We can actually do better. We can actually do a lot better. We can, we could actually stop sending really super mixed messages about how families are formed and women's reproductive health care. And (laughs) we actually could really align the messaging. And one thing that would really make me feel just like generally a lot better is if we actually like respected people who are giving birth to babies and treated them with kindness. Period. You know? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We don't only have to care about fetuses, okay? There's like mm-hmm. a whole other part yes. of life, and it's a lot longer. It's a, could... it's a lot longer. It's pretty dang expensive. Yeah. And and you gotta be you gotta like wanna sign up for it. Because yes. it's it's pretty difficult. You got <sighs> to want to, you know, do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I think about had I had the child that, um, you know, that I was pregnant when I was 17 um, mm-hmm. from a sexual assault and um, had an abortion right when I turned 18. And I think about like what I would have done to that child, not intentionally, right. but what if had I had that child, the place that I was in mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally what and, and financially, right? you know, the what I would have done to that child, what I would have done to my family, what I would have done to myself. And then that touches society. What, you know, what, uh, you know, the fact that no one else hopped up on that table, whether I keep a child or I don't, no one else was going to take that bill from me. Had I kept that child and had to, who was pay who, who was going to take that bill? No one was signing up to, Hey, I want to, you know, pay your medical bills for you. You know how, you know, I just don't understand. We have to, like you said, we have to care about what happens after the first breath and then. And beyond. uh, And beyond. It was really moving when you, um, when you gave that testimony, do you think that your words broke through with any of your colleagues who are anti-choice or like wavering or, don't have the language to speak or don't feel confident did do you think that you broke through i um i don't think so okay i don't think that i did i think that um many of them just saw it as which is what i heard later you know it's like oh um well you you killed the baby Oh, um, right. And yeah, and that's all they kind of saw. But what I did here was, oh, I'm so sorry about the assault like that. You didn't right. deserve that. But it was the first time that we had a hearing like that, um, at least since I've been here. And, uh, and then you had three Congress members to get up and tell those stories. So I think that right. that was a first period. So it's the beginning. So we'll just keep right. We'll just keep on. And um, no, I did not kill a baby. No. You. You have so many personal lived experiences that are relevant to the work that you do. And you're really open about your experiences in order to you make it personal for people. But that really is, I mean, that's a lot to put on you. That is a lot to put on you. What do we need to do to get more elected officials from different walks of life to join you in Congress and like take on some of that burden of keeping it real for people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like who's the Cory Bush of 2022? Yeah. I think part of it is just getting more regular people 
that um, have come from, you know, that have journeys that many members in Congress have never known. Yeah. That is what it's going to take because I've heard Congress members come to me and say, well, you know what? I didn't know, or I didn't understand before you were on those steps and I, and you were telling your story. Like, I just didn't know that that's what happens when you're evicted or I didn't know that this, okay. So now I'm sorry that I wasn't there, but I support now, you know? So I I think that we don't have enough people who are as connected to the burdens and the, and and the, the, the oppressive systems right now that can speak to it. So as we're moving forward, you know, like I'm just hoping that more and more people are able to start to move into more um, positions um, to represent their communities. Right. This, that's, that's what we need. It's critical. It's we need it. Absolutely critical. It's critical. But in order to do it, we have to have, we have to have the support of people feeling like this person should be there because that is something that I ran into is people just felt like, well, you, you're not a lawyer. So you shouldn't be in that position or, you know, you're very unprofessional. Your braids are just so unprofessional. You know, you, you know, you're a woman, but you're not married, you know, within this is not the, you know, you shouldn't be in this type of position because you have kids and you're not married. So getting that, what's your education level? Did you, you didn't, you know, how much college, you know, do you have? Mm -hmm. Like we have to get away from all of those things, realizing that a lot of those, uh, a lot of that, uh, those are the issues, those that pushback is the reason why we don't have right. other people that can speak to some of these issues right. in Congress. Well, everybody's always got something to say about every. <laughs> like, <laughs> is there <laughs> is there anything that a woman can do that doesn't elicit some commentary from <laughs> someone or an admonishment to do it differently? For, like every inch of your body and your yes. personality are up for grabs, it feels like sometimes. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, smile. I don't want to smile. But then you're angry. Well, I, I can be angry. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you use your hands too much, but right. I'm, oh, forget <laughs> it. I, <laughs> your hair, you, you've got too much hair. You have too little hair. You're... <laughs> right. It's everything. <laughs> Why are Democrats always expected to be the adults in the room? Mm. You know, like we have just so many I mean, like, why are so many of your Democratic colleagues just still clinging to hope that there are reasonable Republicans willing to collaborate? It just like never seems just so rare, but almost impossible. Well, I think so. One thing that I've heard is, well, you know, what if Republicans do to us if we do this particular thing? What if they when they're back in power, they do it to us? So we won't set that example, right? but they've already done that, right. you know? So I don't trust, I have no trust there at all. Right. They have an agenda. They're working as a monolith for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of maybe one or two every now and then, but for the most part, they work as a monolith, it seems. Yes. Um, and uh, they are, you know, all dancing to the beat of the Trump agenda and which I still don't understand. Like, who is this person that people just bow down and just let him just lie and, 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 and just do such horrible things. And, and, and the thing is, it's not that people that are Republican, just because you're in a Republican that makes you, you know, a bad person, you know, it's just, you have different views. 
you know, but that doesn't make you a bad person. But when you align yourself and say that I'm going to, I'm going to push, push back my own morals and push back what I believe and, um, to go along, to get along. Right. Then that's that's where the problem is. Yeah. Cuz it's more people I think that don't feel the same way than than those that do, but in order to keep a seat, yeah, or in order to get your bill, you know, get you know whatever it is, in order to have power, folks are are just yeah, going along with it. You you have called for an unhoused bill of rights. Yes. And I know you know how difficult it is to get any progressive legislation through right now. So how can people in their own communities do more to put the pressure on and like and and help to like push this issue forth as as a priority? So local grassroots groups are very, very important in making sure that the footwork is happening in local communities to make right. sure that people know why this is a, why we need this. Um, that's a big part of it is just helping community members to see the humanity right. and the dignity of people who are unhoused. Because if nobody is telling us, if 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 we're not hearing the message that um, this person is not somebody who is dirty, who deserves um, to sleep on the street, who doesn't deserve you know, a, a decent quality of life, if we're not, if that's not being put before us, oftentimes people just don't have to care, right? you know? And so in not caring, it, it that's causing harm. So then we have things like hostile architecture, you know, where um, a, a vent, you're walking downtown and those vents where the warm air comes up from, you know, and then now you have some cities where they put spikes on those so that people can't lay on them. Um, or you tur- turn a park bench instead of a bench. Now you put these, r- these um, l- rails on it to make it look like, oh, you're making it like three different seats three seats on the bench and actually right. well, really what you're doing is just making it so someone cannot lay down um uh, that that type of thinking the thinking that oh we need to push them to a place where we just can't see them mm. versus making sure that people are helped but then we complain about oh um they someone urinated you know behind a building you know or they or you know all of those things but i remember being unhoused and i remember wondering where am i going to use the bathroom right. i remember like all the time where am i going to use the bathroom today i can't keep going back into this spot i can't go there if i'm not buying anything um so like we got to fix the problems right you know and by fixing the problem then we help the people right right the last time we spoke um tim gunn joined us as we yes. were talking about early to give some fashion tips, which he gave me some, you know, all he, he, he applauded you and he gave me a few <laughs> tips, but we both love, we love fashion. You look yes. amazing. I wish people could see what you're wearing. You look great. <laughs> um, how are things like thrifting? Cause you know, th- thinking about the environmental impact of fashion, yes. all the things like thrifting and renewable fashion, like easy ways easy ways to make a difference. Yeah. I mean, when I, it it is, it is because, you know, actually for my budget, you know, I can go Mm -hmm. to a store and sometimes there are like 16 of the same shirt, you know, on the, on the rack. So, you know, and then it's another color that's the exact same shirt and it's 16 more of those. Um, but I can go to a, to a thrift store and find something that's, you know, and that's, it's just the one of that or, um, but, uh, the fact that 
it's kind of like growing up where you get to, you know, like I would sometimes have a hand me down from my brother who was older than me, you know, jeans or something like that. I would may have yeah. a, or some type of a shirt, um, a hand me down. And my sister had my hand me downs the same way. You know, I, my parents didn't have to go out and spend money and buy and do all of these things, put themselves right. into more debt. They were able to help, to put that money in other places. Well, the same, it's the same, you know, thrifting actually, you know, I get to find all kinds of, I mean, things that I would not have been able to find in the store necessarily. Um, and I didn't add to, you know, I didn't, right. I didn't, I didn't pull from, you know, now we have to take, we have to take from, uh, we have to take more from this industry in order for me to right. be able to have this particular thing. You know, no, I just use what what Sarah left. <laughs> you know? I feel like so inspired by young people right now. Even like yeah. my, da- my daughter's 15 and she loves to thrift. And then she comes home. She literally was like, she doesn't want clothes. She wanted a sewing machine. She oh. likes to, she deconstructs yes. like thrifted garments and no. remakes them in a totally different form. I'm like. Well, <laughs> that's, who taught you that? Right. Like, I, I, I wish I had it. So. <laughs> no. I like it. I, I love it. Really I love respect. It. So I much respect. It. All right. I know you have to go. So this is my last question. And it's the, definitely the most okay. important question I'm going to ask you today. Ben and Jerry's um, <laughs> has revealed a new flavor. They're supporting your People's Response Act legislation called Change is Brewing. Yes. That's a huge honor. That's like exciting. But what does it taste like? Do you actually like it? (laughs) So it tastes like what the bill would feel like. I'll say that. Okay. You know, it, um, the People's Response Act would actually help people immediately. Um, It would save lives, making sure that uh, people who are suffering from a mental health crisis has that expert, that mental health expert showing up to handle that crisis versus, um, you know, a police officer with a gun who is not trained to be able to handle that. And we've had police officers to say this will help us out so much. Like, thank you for taking that off of our plate because that's not really our work. Yeah. And so it it tastes like uh, the people's response that would feel. In our mm. communities. And maybe in coffee? What's the flavoring? <laughs> the yeah. Ice cream. Delicious. Yeah. It's 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 definitely different. It's a surprise. Okay. It was a <gasps> surprise. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is gonna be good. Um, I have to thank you for I know you're so busy. You're doing so much. So I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for your work and yes. just Honestly, for giving us something to believe in. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you, you Samantha. Thank you for caring. Thank you for caring because you don't have to. You have a big microphone and you use it for good and you make us laugh, you know, with that. So thank Thank you for that medicine. All right. Well, you have a great day and and back to work. Right. Back to work. All right. (laughs) Gotta go vote. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Bye. See you later. Bye. I got to squeeze in another quick break here. Oh my God. I love talking to her. I love her so much. I know. We need more people to, really to talk do. to her and it's to listen not, to her. It sounds like sometimes when I like 
effusively compliment people. It sounds like I'm just doing it for the pod, but actually when she does stuff, we're all like, I love Corey Bush so much. Like we <laughs> really do go on our Slack channels and go, God damn it, Corey Bush, you're amazing. So that is great. So yeah, obviously we're, we're huge fans of hers. Yep. Um, and as you mentioned in, in your interview, she's a, a freshman. Um, and so uh, we wanted to get your assessment of some of the other congressional freshmen um, now that they've been in office for a while, you have a lot okay. of experience, obviously, with parent-teacher conferences, so you could look oh, at it that way. Okay. This is sort of you giving a performance review or a letter grade uh, mm-hmm. for the following newbies. So okay. starting off with uh, Madison Cawthorn. <laughs> do you do not get a pa- do you do not get a passing grade? <laughs> you f- are failing. You are not. Oh no! Not even an incomplete. That's just <laughs> that's just a failure. Get out of my class! Get out! <laughs> you are expelled <laughs> from class. Uh, all right. What about uh, Trump's former physician, who's now in Congress, Doctor Ronnie Jackson? You know, it's interesting. I don't know much about what he's doing, but he is more than likely failing. <laughs> <laughs> He's really out there, and it's kind of scary because he was, like, you know, treating the Obamas and stuff. And it's like, who knew yes. he was harboring these crazy beliefs? What is he doing? Oh, actually, I'm not. I'm not following Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Oh, he's like another like election denier. You know, oh, he's he's, he's really far out there. But the thing I always think about with him was when he was saying Trump was healthy enough to live like well into his hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like okay, he's this guy has got a problem. The well, some lies that just like, you don't on. need to bother saying because yeah, yeah, like they can't be true of anyone. Yeah, I feel like the reporters started laughing. Like it was just like you can't be serious. <laughs> Guys, like, we to can me. see him. He's clearly not healthy. He's incredibly <laughs> handsome, and he's going to live to 142. I'm a doctor. Can you Case lose? Closed. Like, don't, um, aren't all the other doctors like, can we take his medical license? <laughs> he doesn't understand human physiology. Like, can you believe he treated the Obamas? I'm horrified. Yeah. They must be. They must be like, well, we just that was dicey. <laughs> yeah, throw away those medical records. We're just yeah, gonna start from scratch. Let's start fresh. Okay. Uh, what about Lauren Boebert? Get out! Fail! Come on! Isn't it crazy? Just there's such a shitty amount of freshman representatives right now. They're yeah. like are what some, a class! What a class! Some real highs and some real lows. Oh boy! Oh my god! Everybody's just getting a failing grade. Although it's good to know about. Ronnie Jackson, because I really <laughs> didn't <laughs> put like, him on your radar. He's going back on my radar. I don't know how, I, on Trump's to avoid. <laughs> how do I escape hearing about he's not in my algorithm. I don't get fed Ronnie Jackson info. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably get a lot of Lauren Barbert. I feel like she, she's she comes. Yeah, she's she 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 breaks through my <laughs> silo. She's so ridiculous. All right. What about over in the Senate? Uh, mm-hmm. Freshman Senator Tommy Tuberville. No, he's doing badly. This is a failure. This is a fail. Come on. Are there he's any the good one ones? Didn't... Yeah, I was going to say the next one is is a, a positive one. Just to okay. leave on a positive note. All right. Uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock. Oh, okay. I like him. I really like him. Good job. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a leader 
And he's, this is, so this is, I've turned it into a parent teacher conference now. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's someone that the other students look to and go, all right, I should work harder. How's that? Like, I should, I need to be more like, uh, I need to be more like him. Nice. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I would love to hear that feedback about myself. That's great I don't feedback. Think I, I don't think I ever raises his hand in would. class. Raises guess, his hand, participates. Do you get performance reviews from anyone? No. No one, just myself. And I yeah, exactly. always <laughs> send me up. a pat, sit, keep up the good work. But more, <laughs> I don't know, what are my performance reviews like for myself? No, I don't read those. So I don't get, I don't, I don't expose myself to any negativity. <laughs> I'm the That's most popular bad. entertainer in America. I'm so popular. <laughs> Everyone loves me. No one has any criticism for me. <laughs> I just take it all from my children who are like, you don't impress me and you're not funny. Can you make a better omelet? This one's a little overdone. <laughs> trash. <laughs> this is trash. This wasn't as good as the one you made on Saturday. Try again. <laughs> I'm just picturing that you have like a gold star sticker chart in your kitchen that your kids add to every day. <laughs> They would never add to it if it was for me. <laughs> They'd be like, we like to keep her humble. Um, it's good. All right. I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, why don't you consider hate listening in the future? Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow full release and Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Spread the word. Go wide about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to fullrelease at sampy.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Those get wild. Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron reinstein with IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Gold Stars, Samantha B. Did you bring the lizard to college with you or you got it when you got there? <laughs> That's a good I got question. it when I got there. What's its name? Otis. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, funny. 